welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode. Here we are, Jordan Kaufman. I'm reporting live from, well, I guess it's not live. I am um, recording this from the freezing cold area of northern Minnesota on uh, day 70 of a 100-day RV journey. And I am telling you, I am road weary. I am ready to get back home. How are you? I, I am just in utter awe of the trip that you and Jeff have been having. Uh, that's just incredible. So what is the temperature in Minnesota, by the way, right now? Because it's a, it's a balmy 73 here in Jersey. Oh, you're killing me. I am saying at this moment, it is 47 degrees and raining and uh, very, very, very windy. Um, so ugh, it's really chilly here. But anyway, I will be home in the beautiful New Jersey weather very, very soon. But before I get there, we have a few interviews that we need to conduct. As you know, we are very eager to help all of our voters in Ridgewood learn more about the Board of Education candidate. The Board of Education election is coming up on Tuesday, November the 7th, and two board seats, each with a three-year term, will be on the ballot. Seven community members have stepped up to commit compete for these seats. And they've all agreed to chat with us here on Ridgewood Talk. So I think that's fantastic. And through the course of these interviews, listeners, you will learn more about the candidates and where each one stands on issues that affect our schools. We asked you to submit questions to our Ridgewood Talks Gmail address. Um, so we're going to discuss those too. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. They were very, very helpful to this process. Um, we also invite you listeners to attend the League of Women Voters Candidate Forum on October the 18th, and that'll be from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Ed Center on Cottage Place. And I'm going to just encourage everyone to get there because seats fill up really fast. So make sure you submit a question to the candidates that night, too. Um, and so without further ado, we are talking today to Sarabdani. Um, he and his wife and two daughters have lived in Ridgewood for nine years, and he has served on the Board of Education for the past three years. He has also participated in the 4th of July Celebration Committee and is a member of the Ridgewood Citizens for Reasonable Development Committee. Donnie has a degree in computer science and engineering and an MBA in finance and IT. So thank you, Mr. Donnie, for being here today. Thank you, Jeannie. You can just call me Saurabh. All right, Sarah. Um, so first of all, I want to kick things off with a thank you. And for those of you who are listening that don't know, um, the Board of Education position is a 100% volunteer position. 
And it can take, I don't know, Sarah, it can take anywhere from, you know, two to maybe even 30 hours a week to perform the job effectively. And so to serve on that board, you have to have a lot of stamina, a lot of time, and I guess probably thick skin too. So I want to say personally, thank you for your service to the community. Thank you. So with that, um, I think the first thing that our listeners wrote in and, and they want to know, they would like all of the candidates to clarify their perception of the role of a board of education member. So if you could do that. Sure. So role of the board of the member, board of uh, education member is uh, we do a few things. Um, we have, uh, and I'm not reading from that uh, board, NJSBA, I'm just telling you based on what I know. Actually, before I start, I want to clarify, I have a disclaimer, um, I forgot. So the disclaimer is if I say anywhere that we do that or we did that um, in historically for last three years somewhere, um, I'm not representing the board and I cannot represent the board. Only the board president or the superintendent can represent the board. So if I say we, I may say we because I may not be the only person that did something. There may be more than one or two members of the board. So I don't want to take the credit for that. That's why I would say we. But if I say we did that or the board did that, I'm not representing the board as a whole. Like I'm not in the official capacity. I'm saying that, right? I'm not, today I'm gotcha. not representing the board of education. I'm just candidate Saurabh Dhani. But I gotcha. may refer some things about board of ed in our conversation, but I cannot represent the board or board's position. Um, so yeah, so board, uh, we do, uh, like one of the things that we do is uh, hire the superintendent. Um, then we do uh, superintendent or district goals. We set the goals for the district. Um, we uh, create those goals in conjunction or in collaboration with the superintendent. And then we, throughout the year, we follow up on those goals, that how are we doing with those goals? And at the end of the year, we evaluate the superintendent at the administration um, on those goals. We do budget. Uh, budget is uh, a part of, superintendent creates the budget, but we approve that budget uh, based on how much tax levy should be increased. Um, we have committees. So we have different committees like facilities committee, curriculum committee, uh, finance committee. In those committees, we meet with the administration and we go in more details about specific projects, specific curriculum topics that are going to be appearing on the agenda. So those are the items that would come up on the agenda. And then once we have the agenda and we are sitting at the board table, that's the only time when you are acting as a board member. Um, we cannot go into a school and go do a random inspection. We cannot go and talk to a teacher that how are you teaching or do a teacher evaluation. We cannot uh, go and talk to any other administrator other than um, the superintendent. The only time we can talk to them is when the superintendent brings them to a board meeting and they are doing a presentation to us uh, and they, when they are in that room, then we can ask them some questions about their presentation or about a topic that is on the agenda. So we can only uh, act on the agenda that is presented to us. So the topics that we usually discuss at the board meeting, sometimes people uh, ask, okay, why were, why were you discussing that specific topic at the board meeting or why did you raise that? We don't raise those topics at random. They, those topics are presented to us by the superintendent as in the form of an agenda. And then we discuss that agenda at the meeting before we vote on it. 
So those are the high-level tasks that the board does. Okay, so based on the verbiage that's on the district website, um, you touched on, I think all of them, setting the district policies and goals, communicating policies and goals to the superintendent, overseeing the budget, hiring and evaluating the superintendent. And the one part was um, serving as the communications link between the community and the school district. So at one point you stated during your first election that the board needed to make more of an effort to encourage transparency with the community. And so I'd like to know if you could just clarify what specifically were, were you referring to at that time and do you still feel the same way? Um, so at that time, there were a lot of what I had felt as a public was, um, you, and Jeannie, you attend village council meetings and you attend board of ed meetings also. So you would easily understand where I'm coming from because village council, you have a work session and, and then you have a, a special public meeting. So at the work session, they do all the discussions. And then at the special public meeting, the, there's voting that happens. So the public knows during work session, what are the items they are, they are discussing. And at Board of Ed, there was nothing like that. So Board of Ed, most of the work happens in the committee meetings. So the committee meetings, the work happened, and then everything showed up on the consent agenda. So work session, the council members agree in village council that, okay, are you ready to put that on the consent agenda or not, right? And somebody says, no, I, let's pull it out of the consent. And then people know how that consent agenda was created. Board of Ed, those, that consent agenda was created in committees. And at the uh, meeting, superintendent would say, I present item A. They did not even read the whole um, um, topic here. At Village Council, Heather read all the, top, all the items, what they were voting on. And here they just read item A, item B, item C, item D. And you were voting on that. So if somebody does not have that agenda, it was not clear. Then the other thing was, uh, so we made that change. So I was initially on the policy committee and we made that change. So now anything that is not a routine item that does not go on the consent agenda, there are non-routine items that go, like if it's a $500,000 turf project or something like that, they, they, all of those go on the separate uh, item. Then the public comments at Board of Ed meetings, public comments used to happen after the presentations before I got on the board. Uh, so people, young parents uh, had to sit through the like one hour, two hour presentation. Sometimes those can be even longer if there are vendors coming in. And then there, no, there was no predictability that when will the public comments happen? And we changed what at the village council meeting, you have that um, golden plate which said public comments should be the last, public should have the last chance to speak. So we made that change at the board of ed. So the public comments are the, at the end and public comments are the, at the beginning. The, with the only exception of the student representative uh, report can come first because students, if the students are there, their presentation is quick and then they can leave. And But all other presentations happen, uh, staff presentations happen after public comments now. So there's a predictability that if you show up at seven o'clock, your public comments will be quick. And um, the third one is um, the, these discussion items or we have a lot of discussion items at the Board of Ed meetings. Um, they have not gone... Um, well in public perception, because people think that earlier the board did not have discussions, board meetings were quiet, and now the board members are discussing on live TV, but that's part of the discourse, public discourse that needs to happen. Uh, it's part of our democracy. Uh, so I think uh, we are still evaluating how to make it more uh, polite and more presentable, 
but it i think overall it, it has been a good thing that it brought more transparency that's interesting i so expound on that a little bit for people who haven't tuned in to any of the board of ed meetings when you say that the perception could change and what do you mean specifically so from perception um like there are um so initially when we, like when we started our board meetings they were on zoom and on zoom a lot of the times uh, when you're still trying to com communicate your point across it's uh, it's not pleasant sometimes because you don't even know whether the other person heard you and you, you repeat that so it's the conversation is not very cordial right a lot of the time when you're in person it's, it's a different type of conversation but when you're seven or eight people in the inner room uh, on a zoom and and then then a lot of the time the, what's still not correct about board of ed meetings is sometimes after right after this discussion we are voting not sometimes all the time so we you put a present uh, resolution in uh, or a motion or resolution you second it there's a discussion and then you vote so when the counts when the board members were discussing these off the record they knew how to come and vote for that so they were not having to convince the other board member live on tv but we are trying to remove that and with full transparency if we are discussing live we are trying to convince the other person we're trying to make an argument and we are hoping that they will change their vote live and try that that sometimes can be emotional, sometimes can have um, uh, like pitch to that. And when you're trying to convince or you're trying to make an argument, sometimes it, it doesn't go very smooth, right? So, and it, it, there's a cultural awareness thing that, um, like from where I come from, we don't honeycoat things. We say how they are. And with my gray hair, I'm learning to, to change, uh, put things with more, uh, more sugar coating, but still, when when you when something does not make sense, I say it doesn't make sense. So, okay, not always, yeah. No worries. Okay, so, um, all right. So the next question that was asked of our listeners is, they want to know from each candidate um, how concerned you are about the unprecedented turnover. Um, of the administrators in, in the district. And so what we have here is that we have gone through since, I guess, you know, since you've been on the board, we've gone through four super, or we've had four superintendents, two assistant superintendents, and four business administrators. So what people want to know is if that has caused any instability uh, with the administrators within the board and so on, if you can just expound on that. Thank you. Yeah, so I think that's a misconception, and that's a uh, that's a wrong. Um, I take a, a strong point that that they are spreading rumors. Uh, I would say, because when when somebody says we've gone through four superintendents, that is not correct. So when we started, I, I, let me just clarify that I misspoke. So we've had four so superintendents. I, right. So I I heard that. Right. So that that's I I heard that at a, at at just a meeting also one candidate saying that. Um, and that's exactly same exact same track that you just spoke, right? Um, it's word to word. So uh, and that is wrong because we had, and I think you guys asked that question to Mike, and he explained that superintendents do retire. Superintendents, an average 
time for a superintendent in a district is two to three years. This year alone in Bergen County, 16 superintendents changed. And we are not on, on all of the boards, right? So 16 superintendents changed in Bergen County this year. Um, and I'm hoping you'll, you'll keep all of that, what I'm saying in, in your final recording. Uh, you'll not edit it out. So we started with one superintendent. That was the COVID time. A lot of superintendents retired during COVID times. And those were, a lot of teachers were showing up at those meetings. A lot of parents were showing up at the, those meetings. Um, there were debates on masks. There were debates on um, HVACs. There were debates on facilities. And we had one superintendent here for a long time. He decided to retire at that time. We respected his wish. And then, so we had, we hired an internal principal as superintendent. He decided that he did not want to be in his home district. And that's the reason that was given to me. Um, and then he moved to a different district. So those are the only two changes. So this is not four superintendents, right? So one superintendent retired. We hired another superintendent who moved on quick, quicker or earlier than we would have hoped for. So in the hindsight, we should have maybe hired from outside with somebody who had longer commitment uh, than a, a year for the district. But at no point that superintendent gave us a feedback that he was leaving because of the board. He, he's, he, so I think what my question was, so right. we have had four superintendents since you've been right, but that, right. But the so, and then, so to, to continue that, I want to finish that because, because okay. that is a track, track talk that, uh, that some candidates are spreading and that is wrong. Right. So the, the so these were the two superintendents, one retired, one left early. And then we had to hire an interim and that's, this is part of the process. So when you try to find a new superintendent, you hire an interim superintendent, we hire, that we went to that process. We knew that the interim superintendent will stay for a year. We hired him until June 30th. And then we have our permanent superintendent and now, right now everybody loves him. So, okay. and so let's talk now about the, what, I think what the, what the listeners want to know is that there has been an unprecedented number of turnovers among the administration. And so that no, includes- I No, I just clarified that is, it so, is not- Yes, but what we're talking about superintendents and we can also discuss the two assistant superintendents and the four business administrators. Okay. So, so I just, I, is, so right. that's fine. I mean, it I is know, factual I, I that that is what that. it is. So my question to you and not yeah, I to, I my question, the question yeah. from the, the listeners is, has that turnover caused instability within our district? No. That's the, because, right. oh, it has no. not. According to you, no. it has not. Okay, that's the, the question's been answered then. If I you have, want to no, expound on it, answer. that's fine. Yes, it is not answered fully because again, it's wrong. So we did not have uh, multiple assistant superintendents. We had one assistant superintendent who left recently, right? And so right now we have the second one. So if one person leaves, it's not, and a new person comes in, that's not unprecedented. We were, when we got onto the board, we got onto the board with a charter. A lot of residents elected us to improve curriculum, focus on the curriculum. We had three years of goals related to the curriculum and those goals were not being done. And that person decided to move on and we hired a new one. So this is part of what we do. We set the goals. Those goals are, if they are not met, 
they go on the evaluation and somebody may decide to leave. It's not unprecedented. Correct. It's not unprecedented for people to leave. But as I said, I believe that what are what the people who pose these questions to us, I believe what they're what they really want to glean from this is that it probably is unprecedented to have so much turnover. We've gone through. Oh, it is not. Super, uh, sir, sir, I just want to finish my question. So we've had a superintendent's leave. We've had an assistant superintendent leave and we've had admit business administrators leave. And that's quite, I believe, unprecedented. I've been in Ridgewood for 20 years and I've not seen that much turnover in our district since I've lived in Ridgewood. And I, you know, and that's just a fact. So the question, but the question, the question that the people want answered is, has this turnover caused instability within our district? That's what I think they want you to answer. And I answered uh, concretely, no. The same thing was told to the new superintendent by one of the board members who is spreading that there may be a problem. And she warned the new superintendent that there may be instability. And this person who's highly qualified, highly sought after, he still joined Ridgewood. He watched our meetings and he still joined Ridgewood as a superintendent if he had concerns He's a professional, right? And he had a very stable job in Madison and he still joined Ridgewood, knowing all of what you are saying. If he had concern, he would not have joined. If Dr. Gorman had concerns about stability or board's behavior at that time, he would not have joined as superintendent. So I think this is a narrative that is being created. Um, and I don't know why it's for this, from the same people, did you ever ask them the question that, what did they find different in two board members against which they created the vote of no confidence right after two different people were elected in the election? Did, did we ever ask that question? What my job here is today is to make sure that the questions that our listeners have posed to the candidates, that I ask those questions. And you have said, according to their question, that the turnover has not caused instability in our district and that's fine so now we can just go on to the next question what is the main so i'm just going to kind of i'll have to edit that piece out so the next question here is what is the main reason you are running for a board of education position um so we have several good candidates this year and but before that i want to clarify you said you have to edit out that portion are you going to edit out my answer on the superintendent question no sir everything that you say will be included the only things that will be edited out are ums ahs and things like that okay thank you so yeah so um i think i have achieved a lot in last three three and a half years and uh, i want to continue um the remaining work so i since my election in three three and a half years i have achieved a lot i have the experience and i have demonstrated improvements in the curriculum improvements in elementary school reading writing program we are piloting new um, content rich uh, curriculum this year we have imp made improvements in the math program in middle school uh, with the new math supervisor we have made changes in high school transcripts, high school profile for better college admission profile for our students. Our rankings have improved. If you look at our rankings since uh, I came on board, those have improved. We have done a lot of facility work 
Um, we have done sustainable facilities work. So we are working on two projects for completely re re replacing Ridge and Glen School HVACs with heat pump units, which are long-term sustainable solutions. Um, we have found grants. Uh, I personally found grant for replacing all rooftop units with PSNG direct install program, where we got about 80% um, funding from them. We got uh, grants for um, replacing these Ridge and Hodge programs. So we have about $13 million of projects in flight, out of which 6 million will be coming from grant. Um, I worked on policy committee, as I told you earlier, to move public comments earlier and make meetings more transparent. Um, I set a lot of these goals for superintendent and administration, and then I followed up on those goals. So I listen to the public. I go and uh, communicate that to the superintendent. I, I follow up on that. So I think a lot of these things are in motion. And right now we have a very good team in place with the administrators. And um, I want to continue to support them and to continue the projects that are in flight. Okay, thanks. So you did mention our rankings have increased since you've been on the board. And that might be true, but I know that the QSAC score is quite a bit lower than it has been in prior years. Um, we got an 80% score on curriculum. And the reason for that was that at the elementary level, there are no world language, live world language teachers, and there wasn't enough time put aside for PE in the elementary school. And so I understand that you were pivotal in that vote. Um, can you expound on that? Yes. So um, the QSAC scores are so this this may get into a slightly gray area, so I'll, I'll be short and I'll just limit my response by saying QSAC scores, when we do the evaluation, those evaluations are submitted by our administrators. No, an external party comes and just validates those. So the concerns that are submitted to them are submitted by us. So we had differences on those and those, what was submitted, was it's not somebody external coming in and submitting those. So I will limit my response to that. Okay. So, well, I would like to know if for the listeners, they would like to know likely what has been decided about world language and why weren't the elementary students um, given a world language. And then I also just want to touch on that PE topic too, because I don't really understand what was put in in replacement of, of PE. Okay. So... World language, until 2008, we had world language teachers in Ridgewood. Um, Dr. Fishbein made a decision in 2008 or 2009, somewhere around that time when um, Governor Chris Christie cut down some of our budgets to replace that with a the software. Um, then League of Women Voters did some recent study uh, for a couple of years and 2019 or 2020, somewhere in that time frame, they came with, uh, to the district, they came to Dr. Gorman and asked for word language teachers, that elementary school should have word language teachers and we cannot continue with the software. Um, and I think they had reached out to Dr. Fishbein also, and then they reached out to Dr. Gorman. Dr. Gorman agreed that yes, we should um, probably do word language teachers. And um, that was initially presented by him in 2021 um, budget. And at that same time, uh, and I may have some years mixed up, 21, 22, or 20. Uh, so I think it was 2021, uh, uh, after 2021 November election, because Mohammed Mahmoud was there and he, he was one of the pivotal persons on this decision. 
So we had para uh, special ed teachers, parents coming up and saying that they needed uh, more paraprofessional hours or the paraprofessionals uh, raise, um, uh, salary should be increased. They were not getting paid enough. And uh, we had a huge turnover with paraprofessionals. And we had to make a decision at that time between the budget for um, elementary school teachers versus hiring new paraprofessionals. And uh, the board, and one person doesn't decide that, right? So it's, it was the board, um, the whole board decided that uh, paraprofessionals were important at that time in that budget. And uh, we voted for that. And the, I think we have, uh, since Ms. Murphy came on board, uh, she has also worked hard for with uh, fairs and other things. And that paraprofessional problem is almost resolved now. We have, um, all these schools have uh, no vacancies there. Um, the world language um, question still continued. League of Women Voters made uh, their case again in the next year's budget, and we approved that. So in the following year, and then once we approved the budget, the initially uh, what was proposed was so for this whole duration of a year and a half, when we were talking about world language teachers at the board meetings, we were presented that we will be hiring Spanish teachers, and that was the case. League of Women Voters presented they wanted Spanish teaching in elementary schools. But when we hired um, the three teachers that showed up on the agenda, those were not Spanish teachers. Those were three different, two European languages and uh, another language. So these were three world languages that were not talked about during the um, public uh, presentations. And the reason that was given to us was that when we did the advertisement, those were the teachers we found. Uh, we did not fi find any Spanish teachers. So again, three members of the board, it's not just one person decision, three members of the board voted no for that. And we said, no, all the presentations that were done to us, all the talk from League of Women Voters was for Spanish and league, league members called that day. They said they were advocating for Spanish teachers for two years, it should have been Spanish. So we voted no for hiring these teachers. The administration went back to uh, advertisements and then they found three Spanish teachers and then they presented them again, and then we approved it. So now we have world language in elementary schools, and we have that with Spanish, because that's what League of Women Voters was fighting for, for or advocating for, for two years. Okay, so I th there's a couple of things that I want to touch on there. First of all, um, you mentioned that, it, I believe you said that it was Dr. Fishbein that made the decision to eliminate world language. But then you also mentioned that the board cannot make a decision. I don't, I, I mean, if I understood you correctly, the superintendent cannot make a decision solely on their own, nor can the board. It has to be a collaboration of the superintendent and the board members, correct? So that would not be possible for Dan Fishbein to eliminate world language. Now, most of these decisions are superintendent decisions and board votes uh, when they are presented. So we, we don't go and decide these things. These things are, we only vote when something is presented to us. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to clarify that no one person made the decision to eliminate right. world language. And then I also want to ask about the surplus, because I know you talked about that that you had to make a decision between world language or the paraprofessionals. But if I'm not mistaken, there is... $12 million surplus in the budget. So what what were the discrepancies there? So uh, when we were presented the budget in March or April timeframe, when we made the decision for paraprofessionals over world language, 
we were being asked to use the bank caps, use waivers, and keep the budget at 4%. That's where they started. Our business administrator at that time presented a budget to us with 4%. We were not told that, and these are this is all public meetings, that there is a surplus. And we fought for that. And we said, no, we, will, we are not going above 2%. We are not using any artificial or made up bank caps. And I'm very proud of that, that in my four budgets, I voted on four budgets on Board of Ed. And in those four budgets, our combined cumulative tax increase is 5.2% for an, a homeowner uh, of, of, for their $100 home property value. And at the same time for those four budgets, for village council is 14.7%. So we are in the same geography, same inflation area, and their budget increased by 14.7% in four budgets and ours increased by 5.2% for existing homeowners. So, but there's uh, also something to also factor in with that too. Um, I'm not, I'm not... And during that same time, we did not cut any educational programs. And in every so, so if you'll let me finish, yeah, so what I was just going to say, what I was speaking. So in every budget, we added programs and we added positions. Yeah, now you can. Finish. And so what I was saying is that the diff there there may be differences, you know, when you're comparing uh, the the school district budget with the municipal budget. And because we know that the lion's share, I mean, unfortunately is all its benefits and, and insurance or salary and benefits, sorry. Um, and so we don't know, you know, what happens, especially in the benefit side with the insurance, you know, I, I while I applaud and commend the board of education for being able to accomplish that, you know, who knows what um, extenuating circumstances were involved in the village right, no, not I'm, being able to accomplish the same. That's all I'm trying to point out. Right. So, so I, when we were, to answer your original question, so when we were presented the budget, we were told that, hey, we don't have money and you have to raise, go to 4%. And we did not want to go to 4%. And we wanted the, the tax increase to be under 2% because we want to help the students. Everything we are doing is there is for students and we are providing them the tools. But at the same time, we also have to take care of the seniors and fixed income uh, people. We don't want to increase taxes more than 2%. So at that time, that choice was made. And uh, and this is this was done in two years prior budget, right? So this year's budget, when we have this $12 million budget surplus, even at this year, we were told that you have to go to 4%. We did not go to 4%. We included world language teachers. We still came out under 2%. And the surplus came to our notice in July or August later on, like much later than we passed the budget. Okay. Uh, Jordan, are you there with us? Yep, I'm here. Do you have anything that you want to ask? Yeah, I think, uh, Sarah, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've seen as we've gone to hybrid? And as there's been, um, as part of one of your efforts and, and some other members of the BOE, having more transparency, more engagement in the community, um, in what ways has that been very beneficial and, and in what ways has that added some challenge to your role over the last three years? Jordan, um, can you rephrase it? So are you saying hybrid meetings or hybrid learning? Uh, hybrid meetings for the BOE. Right. So hybrid meetings have been very beneficial for us because, and we don't limit the time, the beginning time or end time for public comments. We in fact move the public comments to the start and towards the end. And uh, we would sit and listen to the parents and residents as long as it takes. So we don't limit the time. And um, what has, what I have noticed is Ridgewood has a lot 
of parents and residents who are passionate and experts in their fields. So they do a lot of research. They bring us their points. We may not be able to accommodate everything because it, uh, be because of budget reasons or because it we may not be able to do that. But everything that we hear, we we it's on the record, and then we can follow up at the next meetings with the administration that hey, there was some resident who brought up this concern. Can we do something about that? Like just two, two, two and a half weeks ago, one of the re residents brought up to us that um, fields were in bad shape and some of the fields were not being mowed. And uh, we immediately reached out to the superintendent. He reached out to the vendor. Vendor had an excuse that, okay, the uh, like this is a specific Glen field that is being used until 7 p.m. And we only mow it on weekends and weekends it rain, but those are not acceptable excuses. But, but these access to the residents when they are able to come and speak up it brings up a lot of the points that we would not know otherwise and they like the world language so this was done by residents they brought it us to us and we implemented eventually um, the reading writing program now if you go to new york times and other publications science of reading and uh, reading writing is in focus national focus but we have residents who are bringing this up three three and a half years ago and they came to public meetings, they talked about it. We hired an elementary school ELA supervisor dedicated to that, and we started making change. So any input that comes to us from our residents is always very valuable because our community is full of a lot of good professionals. So it's, it's really valuable. This year, we are actually adding um, uh, internships and public speakers or guest speakers from our community who know about or who are experts in their fields. So that's also going to help. That's great. You know, that brings me into the next question from one of our uh, commenters that wrote to our email address. So there's been a lot of attention about banned books at the national level. And so people want to know what your opinion is about banning books. Um, we should not be banning books. And we have, so this is where um, the board and administration um the division of uh, work comes in the administration works on these books they recommend those books at the board meeting and we we approve that eventually all the curriculum is approved by the board but we have some very fabulous administrators and they design or they pick the curriculum which is just right like we are not we are i would say the right non-partisan moderate uh, and age appropriate I'll give an example. There was recently some laws and some guidelines that came into us to start teaching um, more about um, the sexual orientation and those type of things in elementary schools. And some schools went too far with what they were teaching. And our administrators were able to design just the right curriculum. For example, in third grade and fourth grade, they introduced a book where they are teaching when they have to teach about gender and gender equality, they added topics like, uh, hey, this is a fire truck, this is a fire woman. So they are trying to teach there that a woman can be a firefighter and that's how we are teaching gender equality. And this is where the professionals come in, they pick the books, they pick what's age appropriate. So for third grade, they just created the right curriculum and um, there were some parents who came when they heard about some other district, they came with the concerns. 
we had a presentation at the board meeting and they were all all sides walk back happily that yes what Ridgewood is doing is it's just fine so i think i don't think we have those concerns in Ridgewood. okay thank you um so finally i have two last questions and then jordan you can chime in afterward um i love this question tell me how you want the community to think about you when they see your name on the ballot think about me um okay so they I want them to think about two things about me, or, or I would say three things. One is I'm committed to improve education, the curriculum, uh, the academics, right? So that's my focus. That's why I moved to Ridgewood. That's why I think now we have our 20% Asian population, 18 to 20%. And I can say most of us moved to Ridgewood for a good school district for better education. So we have to bring that focus back on curriculum and academics, uh, so academics. The second thing I want them to think about me is um, I am always going to make sure their money is spent wisely um, and um, focus on procedures, processes for procurement, where getting three bids, all those sort of things where we are spending the money in the correct way. So we are not going to spend extra money there. And third thing is I'm always there to listen. I, Jeannie, you know that we and you and I may not agree on a lot of the topics and last time you asked me to come and meet and i met with you for the coffee and today you asked me that okay where do you come and i paul uh, our mayor and i don't agree on a lot of the topics and i go and meet with him when he calls me so um, i would go and meet with anyone um, take inputs and learn like on this world language topic when originally league of women voters brought in I had a lot of other ideas. I said, why can't we do with computers? Why can't we do it with virtual teachers? Why can't we teach multiple languages based on proportionality in elementary schools? I went to the league meeting and I made a presentation there. And then I learned from those members and then why Spanish is needed in elementary school. And I, I changed. So I'm there to listen and educate myself and learn. Those are the things that I think people should know about me. Well, that brings me into the next point, which is how do people learn more about you? How can people get in touch with you and how can they get involved with your campaign? Sure. So um, they can learn more about me at voteboe.com. Um, they can uh, reach out to me at my phone number, 973-903-5361, or they can send me an email at saurabh at danikarb.com. Again, it's voteboe.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Jordan, do you want to finish us up? Jeannie, you have become such an expert at these interviews that <laughs> I don't I don't oh god. He's <laughs> always been good at it. I've I've listened to these podcasts. Yeah, no, they are always fantastic. Oh, good to Thank know. You. So Jeannie, we have one of our 120 listeners on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, listen, thank you so much for being with us today. And um, we wish you all the best. Uh, we look forward to seeing what takes place at the forum. I think it's going to be lively. And I'm so appreciative of you and the other six candidates have, who have thrown their hat into the ring to represent the voters of Ridgewood. And again, thank you for your service on the board. Thank you both. Thank you very much.